Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a documentary filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Mindy Cooks, sitting in for Josh Lindsay today, and I am here with our documentary filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, hey Christian. Mindy. Hey, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for, uh, you know, being our third seat that's now moved to first seat. Hey, I'll take any sort of promotion I can get, but it's good to be here. Uh, excited to be talking to you about some of the updates on all the film projects we have going, I think, but uh, starting with uh, The Girl Who Wore Freedom, what do you have to tell us? Yeah, well, it has been an exciting week this week. Um, and we do have more than just one update. We have some exciting stuff about Grueling Glory too. So that'll come next. But um, for the girl who wore freedom this week, we've been really busy working on a lot of things coming up for you know April, May, and June. Uh, we are uh, we have finalized now the deal with Air France. So the girl who wore freedom will be flying with Air France beginning on May 1st. Uh, all the way through the end of the year. So that's exciting. And then we um, have been, you know, working on making sure that we are all buttoned up for these film festivals or screenings that are coming up. And we have, again, just to go over those in case our listeners are in the area, May 12th, we're going to be in Washington, DC. And so I'd love to meet people there. If you are interested in coming to that screening or um, meeting us in the area, let me know. Then May 16th, we're in Manhattan with the Alliance Francaise. And then around the 17th or 18th, we have another um, French organization that wants us to bring us in for a screening. Their name, uh, basically their mission is to remember and honor all of the French soldiers that lost their lives in America and are buried in America. So we look forward to partnering with that organization. And then uh, somewhere around, you know, 2021, something like that, I hope that we'll be at Fort Bragg Museum uh, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and we will be sharing the film there. Uh, and then on May 24th and 25th, we're at Delta doing uh, something at their conference. Uh, and then back to Delta on May 31st for a World War II veteran dinner. And then June 1st, we're off to Normandy. And then it's going to be a, a crazy time of, you know, adventure and, and honoring of all of our veterans. So we have been working with the Best Defense Foundation, who is um, one of our major partners. Um, Delta and uh, Best Defense Foundation announced their partnership today. And uh, we hope at the beginning of April, then they will announce our partnership with them. So if you're listening to this, you're getting a, a, the inside track on what's happening. But the Best Defense Foundation is headed up by Donnie Edwards, who is an ex-NFL player who used to play for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he played for the San Diego Chargers. He was a linebacker on both teams. And now he has a real passion for helping veterans um, go back to these different places where they fought, or go back to Washington, D.C. to the memorials. And so he is going to be taking over 30 veterans um, on a chartered flight by Delta on June 2nd. So all of those logistics and things take a lot of putting together. And there have been some bumps in the road. As you know, there's a little bit of a war going on in Europe. And that means a lot of our troops are uh, being sent over there. So there's some that are already stationed in Europe. We have them all over the Germany, you know, Poland, Latvia, 
And those guys are now responsible for delivering all this heavy equipment and weaponry and stuff that we are now giving to Ukraine. And then the ones that are in the United States are being deployed to fill in the gaps for those other guys. So um, typically the army sends representatives from the 101st airborne, the 82nd airborne, the 173rd. Those are the units that helped liberate Normandy in 1944 and they want to honor them. So they usually um, send them back over there and the government sends them to be part of Operation Normandy. But um, who knows if that will be happening this year? We don't know that yet. Um, you know, it could be they usually participate in celebratory jumps over Lafayette, which is at where the Merdere River is. Um, and I just don't know that that will be happening um, because of this, you know, military situation over there. So we're tracking all of that. We're trying to work out all of the logistics. We're trying to figure out who on our team is going. Uh, so it's, it's been a busy week in regard to that. The other really big um, thing that I'm super excited about, I had a meeting this week with one of our executive producers, um, Bob Miller. Bob is a, a very, you know, big ex-corporate uh, executive who, you know, was in charge of running a really uh, large textile company in Pennsylvania. And he has a wealth of experience and, you know, really wants to come on board or is willing to come on board as an advisor to Documentary First and all we're doing. And so um, he's, you know, he and I spent an hour and a half on the phone getting, a, you know, swapping information and ideas, and he's learning all about the film industry. So I love the Millers. They uh, started off just supporting us financially, but they've really jumped in with with their whole bodies. And now they're, you know, helping us. Sometimes they're uh, manning merch tables and other times they're picking up trash and other times they're advising us on, on financial and business issues. So I'm so incredibly thankful for Bob and Janie. So there you go. That's my update for the Girl yeah. of War Freedom. That's a great update. And I mean, I'll, I'll put it out there. You are a great person to learn about the film industry from because you're so honest about your journey and, you know, a lot of what you shared here on the podcast. And, you know, we are largely a team of volunteers at this point. So if anybody out there is listening, wants to come join us and get some of that experience learning about the film industry, uh, while also contributing some time to an amazing, uh, well, many amazing projects here. Um, as you know, there's more more than one thing going on at a time here. Yeah, um, yeah we we would love to have you come join our team. And um, Christian's a, a great director to be following and to be learning from. So I appreciate that. It's usually from hard lessons learned. But you know, do you find that in the film industry, it's sort of this? People don't really want to talk too much about much of anything. Like they never really tell their hand. They don't want to tell the projects they're working on. They don't want to tell what their budgets are typically. They want, they don't want to show their hand that they've made mistakes and they're not very forthcoming about who their connections are because they don't want to give away their connections. Have you encountered any of that? Am I right? There, there is a segment of the film industry that's definitely that way. Um, I know for me, so I didn't go to film school, um, you know, looking at film industry is really kind of a second career for me at this point. Um, I never thought it would happen. Like 
graduating high school, graduating college, I wanted to work in film, but having not gone to film school, I didn't know how to make that happen. It just kind of felt like this orb that I didn't know how to open, you know, <laughs> and um, it felt like a solid hole, although I knew there were people inside doing amazing things. Um, and I've found that there are really generous people like yourself um, and here in Nashville in the industry here, there's a ton of really generous people too. It's really about finding those people, the ones who are willing to be honest about their mistakes, who have the humility to say, yeah, I messed up or yeah, I worked my way up from the ground floor or even, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing, but it seems to be working, <laughs> you know? Um, and there, there's a swath of those people too, but I feel like it's kind of too different side to the industry. Um, you know, those who are like, oh yes, I'm doing this great and mysterious thing. And, you know, um, only I can do it. And no, I can't describe my process because it's just pure uh, creativity. That's all it is. And I'm like, man, there's more to it than that. But um, there's this other side who, you know, realizes that for this industry to continue to grow and progress, we've got to give each other a hand up in any way we can. Um, and those are the people I'm getting to learn from, but uh, they're often harder to find because they're often really busy just working and they've got their heads down doing things instead of talking about the things. Um, although we're here talking about the things, but you know, <laughs> this is part of your way of, of uh, sharing with people, I think. Um, but they are there and the key is to find one or two of those, ask some good questions and volunteer often, you know, to, to move some C-stands around or be a PA or, exactly. or uh, you know, help out with something else, you know, to kind of get in their orbit um, so that you can keep learning and, and work your way up to where you need to be. Um, so that's that's a long way of saying yes, but I believe there's also really good people who are recognizing the need to to continue to grow and diversify this industry. So yeah, I feel very passionately about that. And I love mentoring. So it's so exciting for me when I meet with somebody that's just fresh out of film school or really wants to learn, hungry to to learn by doing. I myself am an apprentice learner. And so I really um, take a lot of joy with people that um, want to learn a new skill. So yes, if you are interested in volunteering, we are looking for all sorts of people from accounting to bookkeeping, to editing, to graphic design, to writing. Uh, we just, right now, our team has dwindled down really small. And so we're really trying to find some other people to help us out. So if you're listening, to this and you're interested come join our journey it's uh it's fun mindy's still here so that's a good thing still here yeah we have a lot of fun we have a lot of fun and, and christian is uh, a good volunteer leader in that she's respectful of boundaries when you need to set them but also gives you some great opportunities to either practice skills that you're good at or learn some new ones so thank you i appreciate that there is that. Um, also a big part of supporting our community is our Patreon subscribers. And so I want to shout out and thank them, um, especially James Huberger, who decided to increase his donation last yeah. week. James, uh, we continue to be grateful for your ongoing support, um, not only your financial support, but also your willingness to engage with us. Uh, I know you and Christian have been swapping some messages. I, I read those quietly um, to help me know how to better manage this community. Community. And uh, Christian, I think you left us a suggestion about throwing some get to know you questions out into the community. 
So, um, you know, that is, I just, I'm so thankful for James because he, he really does weigh in and say, I think it would be better if you do this, you know, have you thought about doing that? Uh, and because of his suggestions, you know, we've got Jason and Josh talking more about what they're doing. Um, we have chosen to keep our name documentary first. And not only that, uh, brand our company that way. And, uh, now James is suggesting that we throw out some get to know you questions for our literal Patreon community. And I love that. Um, I've been sending out individual messages to people on Patreon just to say, Hey, we, we want you to engage here, you know, tell us your ideas, ask us your questions. Uh, the people on Patreon are at the ground floor right now. And I see them as part of our team, an integral part. And so I would like to get to know them better. So we're going to come up with some fun things to talk about. And we do hope uh, that you guys will weigh in there so we can get to know you better. And if you don't, if you're not joining us on Patreon, come along and, and uh, for the ride, because the, the barrier to get in is super low uh, and the benefits are high. So we'd love to have you join us. Um, yeah. So that's, what's happening on a Patreon and yeah. um, any other updates you want me to give, or you have well, you mentioned uh, that our team does some graphic design and we do uh, right now. I am, I think the only graphic designer on yeah. our team. P.S. If you want to learn graphic design, <laughs> come along and do some volunteering. I'll give you some coaching. I've got 13 years of experience in that area. Uh, we could use some more hands because either surprisingly or not, depending on what perspective you come from, um, marketing a film takes a lot of graphic design. So we have everything from needing uh, posters and different graphics for the film festivals, which I sent some of those over to Christian for Grueling Glory last night because uh, we had a deadline with um, one of the film festivals for that. Uh, we're also working on art for the DVDs that we're going to be uh, producing. So we found a vendor who's offered us a great price on uh, doing a big run of DVDs, but we have to send them what we want the DVD to look like. So we are uh, pulling together the uh, design for the front of the DVD, as well as the outside of the hard case that the DVD comes in. So uh, we're working on that. We're hoping to have DVDs available for purchase on the website here, probably in the next month. Um, I think we're going to be able to pull that off. Um, and I mean, we, we designed all sorts of things. We're working on the new website, the documentary first website. So I had a meeting this morning with uh, David, who's our website developer. Um, so I've handled the initial design of, hey, here in an ideal world, this is what we'd love for this to look like. And uh, He's the one who's going to actually build that so it's functional. Um, you can't click on anything in my design. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm choking. Um, he uh, is going to be the one who actually builds the functional website so that people can use that to access all of our resources, buy DVDs, join us on Patreon, all the amazing things we want you to be able to do online. Um, so that's that's another project coming soon, available for you all. Um, and Christian, I feel like we say coming soon a lot and then things always take longer than I think they're going to. So um, one, that's just like the reality of doing creative projects. They always take a longer than you think they're going to and two when you're working with a small team of volunteers like ours you know it's 
things just don't happen <laughs> as well, quickly and, as, like, as they week, could. That's yeah. totally true. Like this week, Zach Callahan is our staff writer and he was going to get a um, document to us that we need uh, on Monday. And he was sick that day. And that sort of backs everything up. That blog post that he's going to be writing is connected to the video that we're going to be releasing to our Patreon peeps. And so, you know, they just kind of keep getting pushed back. And that really is by, you know, the nature of having such a small team. So we do appreciate people's patience. And you bring up a good point, Mindy. I think when I started out on this journey, I never really understood how much a graphic designer was needed and mm. going to be leaned on. I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking about other things. I was just messaging you today about business cards and postcards that I, I just saw that email. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, there's everything from website design to business cards, postcards, letterhead, um, you know, laurels, we're constantly mm -hmm. making, well, I, because we keep getting into film festivals. <laughs> and it's a good problem to have. But it's a good problem to have, but we are always making festival laurels and then adding them to our posters and posting them on social media. And now there's so much, you have to market your film through social media. And to do that, people want to look at images. They don't mm -hmm. want to just look at words. So then we're having to create something for that. Um, there's just all sorts of stuff. And so having a graphic designer on your team, um, you need to budget for that for sure. And then you need to keep them around. I think it's much better to have them as a part of your whole design team than just sending off to Vistaprint to, you know, to do a thing or two here or there. Um, Mindy, you are so talented as a graphic designer slash marketer. Um, and you have been really good at um, providing a lot of direction for us in that area. So we're super grateful for you. Well, thank you. I'll also say there's a difference in quality with what you'll get with someone who is a uh, either a freelance or an in-house graphic designer versus um, what you'll get from the staff at Vistaprint. Um, they are very good at what they do, but it's just a different type of design. Um, they do what's called... Um, it's just more production or technical design. They're very good at making sure what needs to go to the printer is correct so that the printer will function. Um, they don't think quite as much about the end user who's using that design, uh, which is something that a designer with more of my background does. Um, and so just putting it out there for anybody who's thinking about graphic designer is like, oh, I'll just get the designer at the printer to do it. It's they're just kind of two different practices. Um, yeah. And that's and an important thing to know. What you're looking at is you're looking at our overall messaging, you know, mm -hmm. from, from A to Z. And it's not just about this one thing that we're making. And so, um, yeah, it's been really great yeah. to have you there. So just oh, a quick thanks. update about Grueling Glory. Grueling Glory just got into the Julian Dubuque International Film Festival. Woohoo! I'm Congrats. super excited about that because we won that documentary category last year. And I just had an interview today with JDIF and learned that there were somewhere between 500 and 600 shorts entered. And wow. so far we were in the top six. And, I know. and so they're going to announce, um, you know, whether or not, you know, who the nominees are for the best short. Um, but at this point, even if we don't get nominated for that, to know that we're in the top six out of, you know, almost 600, that is just a, a huge thing. So uh, that film festival is April 20th through 24th. So I'll be in Dubuque, Iowa at that time. And Mindy, I was actually going to say you should join me. We'll talk about that when we get up. 
We um, should. Unfortunately, I'm on another documentary project here in Nashville this day. Oh, you're but... not allowed. You're not allowed to work for anybody. <laughs> they actually found me before you did. So long oh, story. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. Okay. But, sounds good. Um, yeah, but that's awesome. Yeah. Being top six, that's, that's not a small deal. Um, and I think it speaks to the quality of storytelling you do, uh, in both your features and your shorts. So that's, that's what she said today. Susan Gurrell told me the same thing today. So that's cool. Must be true. Must be true. Speaking of storytelling, you were telling me before we got on a really cool story about someone you met recently. Um, and I just continue to be amazed at the people you meet, the connections that are made and what comes out of that. So do you want to tell our audience about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Uh, It came to my attention from uh, a woman named Julie Lockard, who is a friend of mine, her son, uh, Jacob and my, or Jonah and my son, Josh are friends. And uh, she knew about our project. And she said, you know, I work in um, this little um, independent living community over here, and I'm working with a World War II veteran and his wife. Have you met him? And I said, no, tell me about this guy. So anyway, his name is Richard C. Rung. I've since learned he used to be my neighbor, and I never knew it, uh, but he is... Um, He's around 96, I think now, Wow! Uh, but he is an, an amazing individual and he was in the Navy and he was on an LCT, which is a landing craft. Um, he was on LCT 59 on D-Day. And so he was in the eighth wave um, on Omaha beach, one of the worst beaches to be on that day. And they were delivering troops to the beach that morning. He was a machinist mate. Uh, and his, uh, captain basically when they got to the beach, told him to go down below until, um, you know, and I, I think they got shot at, at some point and somebody was, um, was killed and it was a very, very tense time. I think that morning, but anyway, I went to visit him at first and got to know him a little bit. And then I took Toma and Flavi with me to visit him. And they were able to thank him for their freedom. That was a really neat moment. We do have some pictures of that. Uh, but the real exciting thing that came out of that is I learned that he had never been awarded the Legion d'honneur, which is the highest medal of um, that France gives away. It's the Medal of Honor. And it is a very difficult medal to get, actually. You have to show a lot of paperwork to prove that you fought on French soil or off the coast. Um, And sadly, there are a lot of people that have not been so truthful about that. Mm. And so over the years, the French government has learned they have to really vet um, the, the people that come forward and have to check their paperwork to make sure it's legitimate so as not to water down the importance of the award. So I, when I learned that, I thought, oh my goodness, that's crazy. Plus he had never been to Normandy during the ceremonies. And so, um, I started to work right away to find out if we could get him over to Normandy this summer and if we could get in the Legion d'honneur. And what I did learn is that we connected them with the Best Defense Foundation, and he will be traveling to Normandy this uh, June with the Best Defense. And so he'll be at our World War II veteran dinner in Atlanta. And then I started pulling together all of the paperwork that he had to submit to the French government. And I was working with the Council General to the Midwest, and they saw all of my paperwork and said I was missing this one document that I had to have. 
And so the family's been looking for it like crazy. They hadn't been able to find it. I was on the phone with the Best Defense Foundation yesterday and a young woman named Amanda working there has a friend that works inside the National Archives. And within two hours, she had the paper that we needed uh, so that Dick could be considered for this medal. So I'm just thrilled beyond measure that, you know, A, we're going to be able to um, make this medal award ceremony happen and that he's going to be in Normandy to receive it. And we're thinking that that's going to be on D-Day by the Navy Memorial, which happens to be on Utah Beach. So that is our exciting accomplishment for the week. Wow, (laughs) that's so exciting. And man, I'm just like imagining being 96 and having this thing happen completely kind of out of the blue. (laughs) And I'm so thankful to Julie Lockard who said, Christian, you have to meet this guy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's little individual people who just decide you know to to make a difference um yeah. that really make a big difference so i would have never known about Vic if it hadn't been for that so just one introduction and now he and his family will have an experience of a lifetime this summer so that's super cool that was very cool very cool well is it time for our uh DocuView Deja Vu. Is that the right order? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So welcome to our new segment called DocuView Deja Vu. (laughs) All right. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? I can go first. There's one I'm excited because a new documentary season is dropping tonight. And I just remembered that today is the day uh, for, (laughs) and this is probably gonna make you laugh. It's called uh, Formula One Drive to Survive. Okay. I am not a race car person. All right. I am not uh, even really much of a sports person, although I realized the last documentary I recommend was also a sports documentary. Um, But I love a good story and I like a little drama on my TV screen, not in my life, but on my TV screen (laughs) and um, Drive to Survive provides that. And it has given me a whole new appreciation for the world of F1 racing um, and the people who do it. Um, So you're watching the best drivers in the world really go head to head and you get a a behind the scenes view of what it takes to uh, race in and to pull off these incredibly complex and high speed auto races around the world. Um, It's, it's a world of, uh, you know, strategy, both on and off the track, um, drama between teammates, drama between teams, uh, high level competition. And, um, you know, it's, it's also a very, very wealthy world. So it's this whole world that I feel like I would not ever get to see into another way. And so having a series, uh, it feel, kind of feels like traveling when you watch it, you know, it's, it's almost kind of like taking a trip. You get to experience this whole other culture and world. And I just find it fascinating. I usually end up uh, watching several episodes in a row, just following the storylines. And I guess that's part of it too. You're not just watching cars race, you're getting to follow the storylines of their season and what happened um, to the people and with the people and so I just find it really fascinating and it's available on Netflix on Netflix okay Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. Well, I'm going to talk about um, a really influential documentary for me. I have talked about it before on this podcast early on, uh, but it is a documentary I watched about three years ago, and it was pivotal in my direction of the girl who wore freedom. And it's called Generation Wealth, and it was directed oh, by Lauren yes. Greenfield. Have you seen this? I have. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There does need to be a little caution with this film because there are some disturbing uh, images and it is, um, a, you know, a little risque in parts. So you do need to be prepared for that. But the storyline of this is absolutely phenomenal. And I'm going to read the little, um, blurb here on their website. Lauren Greenfield's postcard from the edge of the American empire captures a portrait of a materialistic workaholic image obsessed culture, simultaneously autobiographical and historical essay the film bears witness to the global boom-bust economy, the corrupted American dream, and the personal costs of late-stage capitalism, narcissism, and greed. And it's rated 91% by uh, 91% by Google viewers. And you can find that on Amazon. Um, this film, the reason it was so instrumental for me is I was really struggling. People have heard me talk before about how we had a script but when I saw it laid out on the timeline, I really didn't like it. It wasn't the story that I wanted to tell. And at that point, I had envisioned Peter Coyote being the narrator of it and it coming out more like a Ken Burns documentary because that's what I loved. And when I saw that, I just thought, gosh, this is not the story I want to tell. But I couldn't figure out how to tell it because so much of the story I wanted to tell was my own personal experience. And people kept telling me, Christian, you have to tell this story from your perspective. You have to narrate it. And I didn't want to, because I just didn't feel like I didn't want it to be about me. And I didn't really want to be in it. I just wanted to tell what I saw. Well, I watched Generation Wealth and this was a female photographer and now a female filmmaker who was basically telling her story. And she, her lived experience, she did write the script, she shot it herself, and she um, narrated it as well. And it really worked, and it was super profound. And that was the model that I used for putting together The Girl Who Were Freedom. And it really, I mean, I can remember writing out the outline of her film to try to figure out the, the bones and the guts of how she did what she did um, to make it successful. So it was a hugely instrumental documentary to me. Um, and then aside from how she did it, the content that she talked about was super thought provoking, especially, I think it would be a good time to watch it now because, mm -hmm. um, with what we've gone through in the last four years, politically and culturally, I think to have a reminder of what was happening in the eighties, which is when she was, you know, uh, photographing things. And when there was this big excess of, you know, the boom economic time when everybody could have a credit card and you could charge everything you wanted. Um, I think it's a good time to have a reminder of that. So it's a very timely time to watch Generation Wealth. So that's my review. It is. Yeah, that's, that's a great one. And, you know, Lauren Greenfield is kind of one of the premier documentary filmmakers out there right now. Um, and have you seen one of her later ones called The Kingmaker? 
I've heard about the Kingmaker, but okay. I have not watched it. Is it good? Okay. So yes, very good. Uh, so it's the Imelda Marcos story um, based in the Philippines. Uh, fascinating, especially if you watch it on the heels of Generation Wealth. So like watching those two in tandem, not necessarily back to back because they're both long and involved, but um, similar themes. And I just appreciate her storytelling around those themes. Um, I also have had the opportunity to kind of study under a couple of the cinematographers who have worked with her. Um, and, uh, it's just really neat to look at the way they tell stories and how she does involve her own experience in that. Um, she doesn't quite so much in the Kingmaker, but, um, you still know that she's there and you still know that she's a photographer. And so you're kind of getting this documentary experience, um, of a photojournalist or photo documentarian's uh, experience of these people. And I don't know, I just, I find her work really interesting. Um, plus she's an excellent storyteller. So anytime you're looking for that inspiration, she's a great person to, to uh, you know, kind of study and, and dissect her work. Yeah, I'd love to meet her. I'd love to meet her. All right. Well, Mindy, thank you so much for being with us today. It really is great to see you. And I appreciate your updates from the work that you're doing and uh, for being here with me in Jason and Josh's stead. Both of them were supposed to be here and couldn't. Uh, Jason is without internet today and uh, Josh is still dealing with family matters. And so, um, you know, I'm so happy that you were able to jump in at the last minute. So thank you. Always, always a pleasure and a privilege. Grateful to do it. And thank you to our audience for listening to Documentary First, where we believe that everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you for listening, donating, and following along on our journey. We are supported by generous donations from people just like you. To make a donation, visit thegirlwhowarefreedom.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash documentaryfirst. To learn more about our other works in progress, visit documentaryfirst.com or follow Documentary First on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. This podcast was produced by Documentary First, edited and mixed by Jason Hoban, with music by Jeff Kurtenacker.